0: what's called an expository, and all that means is you read a little bit and yell, read a little bit more and yell, read a little bit more and yell. Matthew 24, Uh, let's go and pray. Lord, I do ask you to help us understand this, help us to uh, not to be uh, overly moved by the craziness of this world, because uh, your book said it's going to be this way, so why are people surprised? And I pray you'd help us to see it, and to be able to offer hope to the ones who are caught up in the deception, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 24, uh, we obviously live in uncertain days. Uh prior to the days of the tribulation which is going to be crazy and uh, if a person desires to understand the times then we need to uh, be gracious with others because people are trying to figure out what's going on and it also it provides the believer the uncertainty of our times provides the believer a real opportunity because people are beginning to wonder the last two years, wasn't it crazy, this last two years, how people hoodwinked into the deception? And it got to the point that people with diapers on their faces were upset that you didn't have a diaper in your face. <laughs> and we had one in New York when we were out there in New York in the middle of this, and Jan and I were walking around the store without diaper in our face, and some woman said, why don't you have a mask on your face? And I said, because we're healthy, <laughs> and kept walking. Uh, But uh, Matthew 24 helps us with some of these things, the uncertainty of it, Uh, and um, a lot of people, most people do not consider truth or health truth until they're desperate, and when they're desperate, they show up at Morris's place when they're in Colorado, sometimes almost too late, but sometimes it's amazing what can be done, even when people are desperate, But uh, these days offer a wonderful opportunity for the believer. And Jan and I feel that because of the desperation about the tyranny throughout the world, uh, we go to these freedom rallies, and then we are not limited to national liberty. We want to bring in the supernatural liberty that you can have in Jesus Christ. So we bring in both. And in Matthew 24, it's commonly known as the Olivet Discourse. Okay, I've been to Israel on two occasions, and uh, you don't have to go there to get this opportunity. You have Google Earth, and you can get on there and look. But Israel is built on a city. It's a rock stone. Jerusalem is built on a city, I should say. And the Temple Mount's at the highest point of the city. And if you look east, there's a valley. And there's a cemetery there that has 175,000 plots. But don't think it's like our cemeteries where you have a stone and grass, stone and grass. This has zero grass. Everything's like on the ground, on top of the ground, crypts. The Jews want to be buried in that cemetery because they think you get in first line for the last judgment. (laughs) Like, who cares about that? Okay, but you go down to this valley, and then there's like a, a garden of uh, Gethsemane in there, over there, and then you go a little higher, there's the Mount of Olives. And it's a nice place to sit to overlook this city and pray. And that's where Jesus Christ would often go to pray, looking over the city, looking uh, westward. And uh, he gave this discourse, these these words, these last words to the apostle. And, and uh, this is called the... Uh, Olivet discourse. Now, I'm going to read Matthew. I'm going to stick with Matthew 24. Uh, You'd be wise to read the parallel, Mark 13 and Luke 21. You'd be wise to get that because you can have additional information. It's not a contradiction, it complements each one. Uh, God has each one. It's about like if you have. Uh, witnesses to an event or an accident, they'll have different testimonies of different things that they witnessed. So we're going to look at, we're going to stick with the Matthew 24. And remember, that's the only time the word kingdom of heaven is found in the Bible is in Matthew 24. It's found 33 times. Uh, Mason's kind of like that number. Okay, so you got that in Matthew 24. So we're going to look at it, but we're going to rightly divide it. Amazingly, I know of some Baptist, some Baptist guys that think Matthew 24 was all fulfilled in 70 A.D. Can you imagine that? When you read it, 70 A.D., they think it was fulfilled at that time. And I've am like, and i talked to many of these guys and emailed me, and these guys said, Man, uh, I don't remember history of talking about the sun uh, turning black and the moon turning to blood in 71 A.D. I don't remember reading that. And okay, so we're going to look at it, we're going to believe, the. I, I'm going to believe the words, and then we're going to rightly divide it, as Paul advised Timothy. So if you want to follow along, if you've got a good reference Bible, it's page 1449. Uh, so <laughs> it says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, so that's the Jewish temple that was there back then, today it's destroyed, it's been destroyed. Okay, so... He went out and departed from the temple, and now the Bible does a flashback. And his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. So they're thinking back when he was by the temple. And then it says, and Jesus said unto them, so they're showing them this massive structure, this stone structure, impressed with it. If you go to the cross references in a Mark and a Luke, An individual will say, Master, and he adores this building. Now, the one that said Master to Jesus Christ instead of Lord was Judas Iscariot. So Judas is enamored with the religious pomp and the elaborate building, the prestige of the building. And in verse 2, Jesus said unto them, so all of them are there, but Judas is the one, look at this. You know the devil, the walking, talking devil that Jesus said He was a devil. See ye not uh, all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus said, "Look at this. This is going to be taken down. Every bit of this is coming down." And of course, that was a, you know Judas didn't like that idea. Well, then, okay, so he just threw that, that was a a back, you know, looking backwards, you know, into this narrative. So they're still on the Mount of Olives now. So the thought goes back, and now we're back on the Mount of Olives, verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately. In the cross references, it looks like this is Peter, James, John, and Andrew, those two sets of brothers, came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Verse 2. When shall these things be? And then they added to the question, And what shall be the sign of thy coming, comma, and of the end of the world? Now, I don't know if they knew this, but that's a three-part question, but it covers 3,000 years. We have an advantage of hindsight. It covers 3,000 years, and some people want to limit Matthew 24 to 70 A.D. Phenomenal. When we read through it, we'll see that it can't be that way. So he says, the, the three-part question, tell us when shall these things be? Verse 2, that occurred in 70 A.D. And then it says the sign of that coming. That's 2,000 years later. And then of the end of the world, that's 3,000, another 1,000. So this... Three-part question is covering a 3,000-year time period, minus the 70, I mean, okay, 2,930, okay, but in that time span. And so then he's going to answer this question. Now, some of the characteristics before each of them are identical, and the reason why is we learn from history that men don't learn from history. And when they do not learn from history, they are destined to repeat it. So when you study the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and their history, you'll see that Babylon followed the same procedure, Media, Persia the same, Greece the same, Rome the same, and guess what? The United States is doing the same. Same thing. So in verse 3, we, we get this in mind. <clears throat> in the parallel passages, they, I think they give a two-parter in Mark and Luke, maybe two parts of this. Matthew gives all three. And so what's the common characteristic of this in verse 4? Jesus answered, Son of them, take heed that no man deceive you. So the common element at the end of any society, any nation, the end of Israel, the end of the world, the common element is massive deception. It is easier to deceive people today than to convince them they have been deceived. You know, if you see somebody with a mask and a diaper and a third one and then they got the face shield, and you want to try to convince them, man, you've been hoodwinked. I'm oh, predictable, myself. I mean, i I saw one guy in, in at the beginning of this in, in the Sam's Club, and of course they're forcing a mask, but I'm going in without a mask, you know, and and uh he had the whole outfit. And I was so amazed. I took a picture, man. I had, to get, I, had to, I was amazed that the guy had the whole outfit. He should have had a hazmat suit on. I just blew my mind away. <laughs> Can I get a picture with you? <laughs> Stay away from me. Social distancing. <laughs> I mean, isn't it amazing the massive deception we've witnessed in the last two years? And this has been going on for years. You know, the difference between a conspiracy... And truth is now six months. It used to be 20 years. I've been teaching on a conspiracy of the banking industry, the health industry for years. And now it's being made manifest. So deception its so easy to deceive you. You can be sitting here and somebody who is tech savvy can take your picture with digital and put you in California on a video. And you got to prove it wrong. Prove That's how deceptive things are today. And this deception is just phenomenal. <clears throat> now, verse 5 brings this international deception. Revelation 12 says Satan's going to deceive the world internationally uh, through the media industry. But verse 5 brings it religiously. <clears throat> and when you get religious deception, you've got a powerful force. And many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, there's a reason why he says, I am Christ. Paul says, there's another Jesus. Now, the reason why he said Jesus and why it says Christ here is a doctrinal issue. Christ is the equivalent of Messiah. It's found four times in the Bible, and that's always Jewish. So so it's, I am Christ, because this does have a Jewish connotation, and I'll prove that as we come through there. But political deception is going to be international. Religious deception is the emotional aspect behind the political deception. And the way the Antichrist, or in particular the false prophets, is going to deceive in the tribulation is he will have the power to heal. Revelations 13, he will also have power to bring lightning down. So can you imagine the Pope, not the hologram Pope, because you can see holograms of the Pope. But can you imagine the Pope or the false prophet giving his speech in, in, you know, in, the, in the Basilica Square? And then there's one protester and it rises up. You're the devil, you're the devil. And then people will back away from the protester. You've got a big vacant space around him. And then the Pope... Because he's so gracious, will say, oh, let him protest, that's okay, that's okay. And people will back away, and then he'll say something like, well, do you remember in the scriptures about Elijah and the false prophets and how lightning came down to verify that Elijah was the right man? And he says, so less would you be willing to pray to God? God, gotta say God. That's a seminary class. You gotta say God. And you just pray to God and, and see who, and lightning comes down and strikes that guy right in the spot, and there he is smoldering. Would that not be effective? Revelation 13, that's what it says is gonna happen. That's the power. That's the power. Religious deception. Now, Ezekiel, he wrote about religious conspiracies between the prophets, the priests, and, uh, and princes. And he experienced that when Judah was taken uh, captive back to Babylon. But these conspiracies are everything. And, and the thing about conspiracies, the Lord sort of kind of has a rule. I don't know if it's an unwritten rule. That the devil has to advertise his intentions. <clears throat> Okay, in government policy, they do have to advertise it in the Federal Register, but who looks at the Federal Register? Okay, now the, the Devil's Crowd, the New World Order, advertised it in 1980 down in Georgia. It's called the Georgia Guidestones. You can get online and look at it. It's got 10 guidelines. Supposedly R.C. Christian put it up, but it's probably Robert Cook, who is the founder of eugenics. And if you fly over it, have a drone fly over. You might see blood stains on top of it. The picture I have is blood stains on top that comes down on top of it. And number one guideline is maintain world population of five hundred million. Now, is that a conspiracy? They got it in print in eight languages. And Ted Turner's probably the guy that funded that. And Ted Turner said a, few year, a couple of years later, we need to get rid of 98% of the world population. He's obviously in the 2%. He's not going to practice what he preaches. Think about that. 6.5, if there's 7 billion on the earth right now, they, whoever published that says 6.5 billion needs to be discarded. How are they doing this? Pharmaceutical industry? Airborne viruses. Military in, industrial complex. I mean, it's it's all around us. It's not. That's that's a conspiracy that's been advertised since 1980. You can get online and look at it. It's got 10 guidelines. I've got all 10 listed here, but who wants to take the time to read that stuff? The media produces fear mongering. OK, in Matthew 24, If ye, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. So when you hear this, what are we supposed to do? Get all distressed? What's it say? See that ye be not troubled. Now that's easy to say, especially if you don't have family in these areas. Okay, but for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now there's two words the end, what end? So I'll come. he introduced, Jesus introduced an idea. The end is not yet. The end of what? For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That's just the beginning. Okay, of course, we know that the media is designed. Media, medium, sounds kind of witchy. The media is designed to try to manipulate our minds. And in 1953, 1953, that was four years before a good Chevy came out, 1957 Chevy. Uh, that's the year out. We were born, Morris. 57, hey, a good year. But in 1953, there's a, a media type named John Swinton. Former chief of staff for the New York Times, of course, that's a real good publication. And he was called the dean of his profession, and he said this in 1953, as he's given a toast. He says, there's no such thing at this date of the world's history in America as an independent press. You know it, and I know it. There's not one of you who dares to write your honest opinions, and if you did, you know beforehand that it would never appear in print. I am paid weekly for keeping my honest opinion out of the paper. The business of journalists is to destroy the truth, to lie outright, to pervert, to vilify, to fawn at the feet of mammon, and sell his country and his race for his daily bread. You know it, and I know it, and what folly is this toasting an independent press? We are the tools and vassals of rich men behind the scenes. We are the jumping jacks. They pull the strings. We dance. Our talents, our possibilities, and our lives are all the property of other men. We are intellectual prostitutes. Now, we know things have gotten better. I watch Fox News. Controlled opposition. That's all that it is. Have a good day. Turn off the news. Now, I guarantee that if you get rid of your television and try to hold up as a hermit, somebody will get the news to you. And if not, somebody don't, a spirit will come through and produce fear in the hearts of people. That's the intent. Now, once in a while, the devil's crowd tells the truth. Nathaniel Rothschilds, that's quite a name, isn't it? Nathaniel Rothschild. That I would dare say that's the Rothschild clan. Some fake Jews. He sent a letter to the United Kingdom political figureheads. And he says, without Ukraine, the global order may not survive. Does he have interest there? Now, it goes further, it goes further, but I find that kind of interesting. There's some things going on that we just don't know. And we don't need to worry about it. Really, we pray, study the book, and read the last chapter of the Bible. And that gives us hope. And I've got his quote here, old Nathaniel, blue-eyed guy. He just doesn't look much like a Jew to me, unless he's a fake Jew. But you have all these wars and rumors of war. Now, in verse 9 of Matthew 24, it says, "And nation." Well, in verse 9, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. The you is the apostles. They might be coming back. I'm not sure. They shall deliver you up and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, the poor mid tribbers and post tribbers might think that's them, but if you go to the cross-reference over in Mark chapter thirteen, it will add a it will include a word that Matthew doesn't include, and the word will be synagogues. They will kill you in synagogues, not mosque, not churches synagogues. Now, at that time, you know, they had synagogue, local synagogues, but it will be a human sacrifice in a Jewish synagogue. Okay, we'll keep going further. We'll just lay that right there to think about. And then shall many be offended, of course, we're going to be offended, people will be offended, and shall betray one another, shall hate one another, of course, that just goes with the territory. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That waxing cold, I do believe that you can parallel that with the hot and cold of Revelation 3, which is another idea, where people know something's wrong, but they can't figure it out. And then verse 13. This is a famous Pentecostal verse, but they only limited you to verse 13. And this is a a handy little way of holding people into bondage. And he that endure to the end shall endure unto the end, shall be saved. The same shall be saved. Man, that's a tricky little thing. Now, there's the second time we saw the words the end. Now, the Pentecostal is not going to read verse 14. Because it tells what kind of gospel that's preached. And this gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. No, it doesn't say that. That's what we show people today, and they trust in the Lord, they get eternal life today. This gospel of the kingdom is a different gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Okay, now we're getting our end kind of squished in here. We're getting it figured out, more so the end. So that's very instructive to get. But the end of what? Still, we haven't solved this problem yet. What is the end of what? In verse 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, What's that? The folks that are limited to 70 A.D. will say that's when Titus went to the Jewish temple and offered up a pig for a sacrifice. Uh, I don't think the Lord was real pleased with that, but not that big of a deal. Really, to be honest with you. It's worse than that. Much worse. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, how will they see it? Your cell phones, it'll be broadcasted, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, so we go back in the Old Testament, we find out when Daniel writes about this, and Daniel is the Old Testament parallel of Revelation, and Revelation gives it in detail also. Paul gave a strong hint of it in Second Thessalonians 2, and then it says, stand in the holy place. Who's standing in the holy place? Whoso readeth, let him, let him understand. In that parenthesis, standing in the holy place. How do you see that? Okay, what's he going to do in the holy place? Abomination of desolation. Now, if if he, he throws us the hint there, Daniel. So what do we find in Daniel? Well, we find in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, one of the great prophecies of the Bible. And Daniel talks about 70 weeks, or Gabriel gave him, he got this vision, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city. 70 weeks. Now, we have a great advantage of hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty. so we got a great advantage by looking backwards at it. <clears throat> now, when this was explained to Daniel, Gabriel explained it. He divided the 70 into three parts, 7, 62, and 1. Now, we didn't divide it. Gabriel did that, and I think he's smarter than we are. Okay, and so he divided seven sixty-two, and this is the calendar for the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. Now you take the seven and the sixty-two, put those sixty-nine together, <clears throat> and that was completed on Palm Sunday when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the cult of fulvanass. That was sixty nine. After that is Messiah cut off. And the word Messiah is used two times. Jews two times in John, chapter 1. Messiah is a Jewish designation about Jesus Christ. So you got those two there connected. Four times Messiah is found in the Bible. Messiah is cut off. So Palm Sunday on Wednesday, Christ was cut off. Crucifixion. I think the 70th week began on that Monday, and and some of the calendar continued on, and then was stopped in the book of Acts. Okay, seven-year week, 490 years, but yet I don't believe it's a full seven, but I know it's, you know, maybe more than six. But we know that this is kind of hanging. This is unfinished business between God and who? Israel. That's what the 70 weeks said. It didn't say the church. It says Israel. It says Jerusalem. That's why when you read Revelation, what do we find throughout Revelation? Temple, Jerusalem, prophets... All Jewish. So we we pick that up there. And what is this abomination of desolation? It's the fifth seal judgment that you find in Revelation 6. It's when the Antichrist takes a Jewish individual, man, woman, or child, offers them up as a sacrifice to the god Ra or mother Gia, whoever you want to call, as a human sacrifice. Eat their flesh, drink their blood. There's more more scripture that I just gave a shocking thing to you on that than church membership baptism put together. Have all the workers of iniquity who eat up my people as they eat bread. Psalm 14.4, Psalm 53.4, Psalm 79 says their dead bodies are on heaps around about Jerusalem. And when the Antichrist offers up this... This abomination, desolation, 144,000 Jewish men are going to say, oh, we got hoodwinked. And they come to the Christ Jesus. Knowing what's going to happen to them the rest of the three and a half years. 10% of them, 14,400, will volunteer to stay in Israel knowing that they will be sacrificed. The rest take off throughout the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. They will be scattered from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. Explain that one. If you hold your finger here in Matthew 24, go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. The very first time the word tribulation, this, this um, one remaining week, it's commonly called the tribulation, and that's, that's justifiably so. The very first time the word tribulation is found is found in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, who's Deuteronomy written to? To Israel. We get to read somebody else's mail and get away with it. <laughs> now, in verse 27, he said to them, The Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number. Very few make it through this seven-year, three and a half years. You, scatter you among the nations. How far? Well, in verse 30, <clears throat> when ye, when thou art in tribulation, all these things are come upon you, even in the latter days. Man, how could you miss that? Tribulate that's the first time the word tribulation is found. How far will he scatter them? If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 64. The Lord shall scatter thee among all people from one end of the earth even unto the other. Some folks now understand what that's talking about. (laughs) So, from one end to the other. That's something. And this is called Jacob's Trouble by Jeremiah. Now, if we would, let's go back to, I'm going to go back to Matthew 24 and try to pick it up again. And it says in verse 6, then, then let them which be in Colorado flee to the mountains. Let them which be in Kansas flee to Tennessee. Get into the mountains. Down in uh, Tennessee, you'll see uh, some of the, uh, remember the old roofs? Uh, they see Rock City. What is that? The Rock City's Petra. Get to Petra. Even though they were thinking Rock City, Tennessee. <laughs> Let him, let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. That would be Petra. Let him which is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. Now that don't make sense to us. we got peaks. But in Jerusalem they have flat tops. And I don't remember the color of the tank. <clears throat> they take the plastic tank, and put it on top, put water in it, and the sun heats it. I forget the color. If it's blue... Or black, there's two different colors. One is Muslim, one is Jewish. So you see how oh there's a Muslim. Oh, there's a Jew. Okay, I forget the color differences. Okay, Hank, do you remember? Oh, it's white? White. Okay. So black and white. Oh boy. Muslim and Jewish. Okay, so that, that's why when they're on top of the house, he says, when you see this on your cell phone, you better take off. Verse 8, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Why? It's Jewish. Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no ever nor ever shall be. Now, these folks that think 70 A.D. is it. I'll tell them, I'll say, do you read that verse? Don't you think the Holocaust was worse than 70 A.D.? Oh, no, 70 A.D. You're not, you're not dealing with a full deck, I don't think. Great tribulation. And then it says, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. For, but for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened, shall be shortened. The elect, if you take that back to Isaiah 42, the elect, that's Israel. They're the ones who are the elect. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christ. I, I find the wording is very precise. And false prophets and shall... Show great signs and wonders. Why do they show what signs and wonders? Because the Jews require a sign. It's so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And if you drop down to 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Okay, that's the sixth seal judgment you find in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 to 17. And the fifth is verse 9 to 11, and that's the human sacrifice. And then uh, six twelve to 17 is the second coming of Christ. And so that's when all that, you know, natural catastrophes take place. And notice verse 30, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the Christians of the earth. Tribes. Tribes. That's not Indians. Tribes. That's James 1 to the 12 tribes which are scattered from one end of the earth to the other. That's Revelation 7. The 12 tribes that are listed there. 144,000. Not not Jehovah Witnesses. That's the tribes of Israel. So in verse 29, 30, and 31, now we're going to have a regathering of them. In verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect, Israel, from four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. I thought it was the earth. Well, when you get to the end, they're both right there beside each other. And that's something else to think about. And then verse 32, is sort of kind of gives the time period so we can kind of get this figured out. No man knows day or hour, but boy, oh boy. Now, verse 32, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and put forth his leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. Nice. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, most anybody will uh, say that that fig tree is Israel. Israel began again, the great uh, restoration 1948. And I really got a problem with that, but I do have a problem with fig tree. Because the devil counterfeits everything God has. That's how you get deception. And so the fig tree, remember if you take your memory back to Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they put on to cover themselves? Fig leaves. So that is a picture of self-righteousness. religion. This fig tree is a picture of Israel, but what type of Israel? Counterfeit Israel. Why? Because real Israel is a vine tree. Isaiah chapter 5, and did not Jesus say, I am the vine and ye are the branches? He didn't say, I am the fig. Ye are the branches. Now in this 1948 Israel, and notice their flag. Notice the, pir- the, the pyramids on the flag. That is not the star of David. That's more like the star of Molech. And this is why in Israel you have natural born Jewish people and you have fake Jewish people. You have the elite Jews. You have several, dip, five different types in Israel. Now he says this generation, what generation? How long is a generation?" Now, if you take that and you go to the only psalm written by Moses, Psalm ninety. Why do you? Choose, why do I choose that one? Because Moses is the first national leader of Israel, true Israel, and the devil's counterfeited through the years. So we have them all intermingled. Didn't Jesus say the wheat and the tares grow together? So we have them all intermingled. Now, in Psalm ninety, a lot of people tend to think that the lifespan of people are given there. 70 or 80. But that's not the lifespan of people. That's the lifespan of someone under judgment. It says there, they're under the wrath of God. And is not the tribulation. God's wrath on Israel first. And so the lifespan after the flood, I would dare say, is 120. If everything works out and by the grace of God... Moses lived to be 120. Okay, and so even at that, the 70 or 80 of Moses, I would say, is that generation of the fig tree. So if we take 1948, what happened on the 70th anniversary? That's when Trump changed the capital back to Jerusalem on the 70th anniversary. And if by strength, four score. So we got that decade in there. William's close. How about you? I'm excited. And when we see these rumors of wars, instead of getting discouraged, get excited. Because I done read the last chapter in this book. Now, if we have this joy and this peace because of the Bible, we ought to be able to give that to others who are under stress. Should we not? Isaiah 6, 26 says, Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If we let it waver away from that, then it's, what do we expect? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's so much confusion going on, and we need to be patient with people going through their confusion, going through their distress, and maybe they're going to have to freak out in front of you. But we ought to be able to give them, offer them hope in Jesus Christ. And that's what this book would do for us. I mean sure you can take you can kind of look look at the news like you look at a little kid, you know. Kids are meant to be seen not heard. You know, I mean, you just you don't take it with a grain of salt, you take it with a whole bottle of salt. You just see the playbook that they're going by, you just say, "Oh, kids. They're trying to deceive you, trying to take your peace away from you." And if we Got salvation, where we have peace with God, shouldn't we have sanctification, have the peace of God? What a blessed book God has given us. If we read the precise wording and rightly divide it, if we don't do that, boy, can a person be confused. Matthew 24, amazing thing. The Bible lays it all out as a script. You read that last chapter. And the born-again believer lives with the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, happily ever after. And the sooner, the better. And if you're not born again, man, I offer you some great hope in Jesus Christ. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you'd help us to, uh, we kind of went through a lot there, and I pray that you'd help us to get it, grasp it. If we don't get it, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and understanding that we might get it. We might study further. Uh, You've given us the, the playbook, and the devil's got his playbook, and we can compare them and see the end game of the devil's crowd is destruction and death. And the end game of thee is happily ever after in the presence of God. Man, what a thing we're looking forward to. And I pray that you'd be able to offer peace and hope to ones who come in our Circle of influence, that we might be an encouragement to them, that they might see their desperate need of Jesus Christ if they don't have him. And if they do, that they might see their need of spending time in a book, believing it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.